Hey, good morning, Harvest. Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. And then we're going to jump into James after that. It's just a, a few pages over. But if you start in Hebrews chapter 6, and as you're turning there, I'm just thinking about what a, a season we've been in over the last six or more months, just this, this uncertainty. And for some of you, your, your life has been disrupted. For some, it's, there's strain put on you. For some, you just feel worn thin by all of this. And, and then we look to the fall and see, hey, what's coming then? What, what is life going to hold for us in, in the fall? And, and we're not sure. I mean, what will school look like? What's work going to look like? What, what's family and friends? How are we going to do that into the fall? What, what's church going to look like? I mean, as, as elders and pastors and key leaders, we're, we're coming up with a plan for how we're going to do church in the fall. But even in that, there's so much uncertainty, so many unknowns to it. And it, it's in that kind of a context that, that verses like Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 bring so much hope. You see, this, this letter, the book of Hebrews, was written to Christians who are struggling. And they're, they're having this hard time holding fast to the promises of God. And, and so this letter is written to them just filled with encouragement. You, you just read the words of the book of Hebrews and just the over and over again, hold fast, see the hope, know the truth, don't give up, don't stop meeting together, don't, don't neglect your, your amazing salvation. Let's run, let's cling, let's hold on. And, and then you get to verse 19 and it says this. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 says, We have this as our sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. It says here we have an anchor for our soul, an anchor in the promises of God, the, the hope of the gospel, the good news. And the, the picture here is we have this anchor that can be placed behind the veil, behind the curtain. That curtain that in the Old Testament, it was that, that curtain that separated people from, it says, the inner place here, the Holy of Holies, where the manifest presence of a holy God was, where, where that's where God was, and, and we didn't have access there, separated from God's holiness by our sin. But the hope we have now, the anchor for our soul is that Jesus tore that curtain in two with his, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his victorious resurrection. So now, now we have a place for the anchor of our soul to be steadfast and secure. The problem is, I don't know about you, but, but my soul drifts. My, my soul gets tossed by, by these storms and, and, I, and I don't always have my anchor where it should be. And, and, and so often we can, we can throw our anchor into our own boat. I mean, how goofy is that? I'm just going to trust in myself. I'm going to believe in myself. I'm going to be true to myself. And the anchor stays in our own boat where it's useless. Or I can be tempted to throw my anchor in somebody else's boat. Right? I'm going to throw it over here. I'm going to, I'm going to throw it into some other like pop psychology or, or throw it into some social media or throw it into how, how somebody else is doing things. And, and listen, we're to look to mature people who are following Christ for sure. But the anchor of my soul isn't there. The anchor of my soul is not in a relationship. Oftentimes, I can throw my anchor just out into, out into the water. Right? Just, just fingers crossed that the, that the anchor is going to catch something, and yet it's just floating out there in the water. And, and here in Hebrews, we're given this deep hope that there is a rock solid enough to hold the anchor of our soul. That the, the truth, the promise, the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ holds our souls in the midst of life's waves and storms. 
And so over the next five weeks, here's what we want to unpack. We want to unpack, hey, where is this anchor of our soul? Where, where do I throw the anchor of my soul? Where, where will I get this secure place? Like, like the psalmist says in Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3, where it says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we won't fear, though the earth gives away, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Because it's in these stormy times, like, like the times we're in right now that we're experiencing this, and it's in these times where, where it seems that everything else is stripped away. We're in a weird season where you watch the news, you see all the turmoil. Racial tension is high. Fears over COVID is high. Insecurity in our world. And as hard as it is, here's the one good thing that comes out of that. There is some clarity that comes to us in these times of trouble. Things are stripped away. What we used to view as important doesn't seem so important anymore. My prayer is this, that we would continue to allow these times to, to strip away what isn't important so that we can find that place to throw the anchor of our soul. Now, where is that? During the Reformation, there was a stripping away for the church where they began to ask, hey, what do we really believe? What am I going to die for? Where is my hope? And if you took everything else away from me, just don't take this away. What are what we would call in our church? What are those close-handed things? Those are the things where we say, no, I'm not moving from these. I've got my hand open for some other things where, where I'm okay with how, how, you, how you do things in life this way, how, you, how you're going to do church in this way, but here are things my hand is closed to. This is the rock I'm holding on to. And out of the Reformation, they came up with these things that we call the five solas, S-O-L-A-S. In Latin, it would be saying the five onlys. These are the only things we throw our anchor into. This is, hey, my hope is here and here alone. The five are this, my, my hope is in scripture alone. My, my hope is in Christ alone. My hope is in grace alone. My hope is in faith alone. My hope is in the glory of God alone. Those are the close-handed things. Those are the places where we know my anchor holds there. So this morning, I want us to jump in as we, as we unpack these five places for our anchor to hold the first of these, where you're, the anchor of your soul can find a sure and steadfast, a secure hold is in God's word. Jesus tells us in Matthew, he says, listen, there's a rock where you can build your life on. And there's sand where you can build your life on. When the storms come, if your life is built on the sand, it is wiped out. But when your life is built on the rock, he says, the rock is this, the words of mine, the word of God. I have an anchor in God's word. The title of this message is called just that, Anchored in the Word. So flip over to James, James chapter one. James chapter one, as you're turning there, here we have the, the book of James, this letter that's been written. And again, it's written to a people who are desperately looking for something to hold on to, desperately looking for, is there an anchor for my soul? Right? Their circumstances were hard. They're being oppressed. They're being persecuted. They're in tons of suffering from the outside in. But then there's also the insecurity of their own hearts as they're tempted to sin. They're drawn by worldly desires. They're looking for, where is an anchor for my soul? 
Now, here's the thing. This is not a letter written from some ivory tower. No, as James writes this, he's in the trenches with them. He's, he's hearing the stories. He's knowing the lives of these people in these churches, churches that are just like our church. Churches where, where people are, are struggling in this place of complacency, where, where there's discouragement, where there's exhaustion, where there's apathy, where there's confusion. I mean, I mean I'm hearing as I'm talking to so many people, as I'm connecting with people in our church, and I, I, mean, I feel it too. And I've heard it said that, that pastors feel like quitting quite often. Man, in this season, man, it's hard. Where do we throw the anchor of our soul? Where do I throw the anchor of my soul to, to a place where I, I know I have hope, where I can thrive in Christ? Now, James, in the, in the book of James, he's worried about this. He's saying, I'm worried that you think you have your anchor in the right place. You think the anchor of your soul is secure or steadfast. He says, I'm worried you think you have it in the right place, but it's not. In fact, look at verse 16 of chapter one. He says, do not be deceived, my fellow brothers and sisters. He says, hey, in the midst of this trial, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't be throwing your anchor into the wrong place. He goes on in verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He's saying there's a, a solid hope we have in God and the promises of God, promises we can deeply sink, sink our anchor into. Look at verse 18. Of his own, will he brought us, of his own, will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. What's he saying there? He says, he says out of this word of truth, there is this, this sure and steadfast anchor that in the word of God, we find our identity. It's here. He says, you're the first fruits of God's grace. The, the watching world would watch, would look in on the church and see Christians living out their lives and they would see God's transforming grace. That's our identity. That's who we are. Then in the midst of trials, in, in the midst of, of temptations, this is who you are as a Christ follower. You are the first fruits. You are this, this creation of God. You're, you're, you're a snapshot into God's grace. I mean, I hope you're stunned by that. I hope you live your life just stunned by this identity, that, that stunned by the grace of God, that God would choose you, that God would change you. Because when your heart is stunned by that truth of your identity, it transforms. Now, that doesn't mean that everything gets easier it doesn't mean that everything all of a sudden gets better, but it does change us. And so, so James starts there. He says, have your, the anchor of your soul there. Have it, have it thrown in behind the veil, deep into the gospel. And now, why did I start here? Why, why did I choose these verses to talk about being anchored in God's word? I mean, there, there are so many other places we could have gone. We could have gone to Psalm 119, just this amazing psalm about the beauty of God's word. We could have unpacked 2 Timothy 3.15. We, we could have went to 1 Peter 2, 1 to 9. But, but here's what James is unpacking for us, why I wanted to go here. Here he's saying this. He's saying, here's how you know your life is anchored in the word. So, so this is gonna be less about trying to convince you about the importance of God's word. I mean, I hope you're already there. 
I mean, that we're a church where, where everything we do is based on God's word, where, where it all comes out of here, where every Sunday I'm going to start my sermon saying, hey, go ahead and grab God's word and turn to. That's the foundation for us. And, and my fear is not that you don't, you, you, you would doubt the importance of God's word. More often where we struggle is that our lives don't match up with what we say about God's word. We're, where we listen, but we don't act. In fact, jump ahead. We're going to get there. But, but look at verse 22 of James chapter 1. He, he's saying, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, when, when you listen, but you don't actually act on, on, on what God calls us to, he goes on later and says, it's, it's worthless religion. I don't want us to be a church family where, where our anchor is not truly thrown into the word of God. I want us to be a church where we're, we're doing the word of God. So my prayer this morning is that God's word would come alongside each of our hearts and in our life, wherever God is at work this morning, to encourage us to truly place the anchor of our soul into the word of God. Not, not just hearing it, but here God's word is challenging us to throw our anchor deep into the word by living it out. So how do we do that? How do we make sure that, that, that the anchor of our soul is, is in God's word? And I've just got two ways for us to respond. And these are simple. If we, if we grab a hold of these two truths, the anchor of our soul will be securely held. So here's the first is this. If you're taking notes, first is this, receive the word humbly. Receive the word humbly. Go back to verse 19. It says this. In verse 19, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. It says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It says, be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. He's like, hurry up and listen. And how do we listen? Just put away anger. Listen what? Listen humbly. Listen to God's word humbly. And here's the thing about listening. It is not easy. It takes work. I mean, somebody said this, that most of the conversations in our world are dialogues of the deaf. Everybody talking, nobody listening. Listening's hard. It takes work to, to hear somebody's heart. To, to, to be in a conversation, you ever do this? Where, where you catch yourself, you're thinking of what the next thing you're going to say is. It takes work to shut that down so you truly listen to someone. Listening takes time. We're so conditioned to 30-second YouTube videos, social media posts that are only super short, that, that listening to someone for a long time, it can be hard. But if you don't slow down, you'll never listen well. And the more we rush, the less we hear. So we want to become listeners. But here in this context, not just listeners of other people, that's great to be that, but listeners of the word. You see, church stats would say this, that 85% of Christians would say that they pray, but only 35% say they open the word regularly. You know what that says? It says we're more often talking to God than listening to God. In verse 19, it says, listen, read with a humble heart. Don't be resistant to God's word. I mean, think about how, how often do you approach the word of God where, where you're talking instead of listening? Right? We, we come with our minds already made up, already made up with, you know, this is how I'm living my life. And, and so what do you do? We blow past those parts of scripture that disagree with us. 
And I'd rather throw the anchor of my soul into some other boat. I don't want it in the solid rock of Scripture because that's going to pull me in a way that I don't want to go. And, and we, we see this, this opposition to God's word, the anger towards God's word. You see it all through history. I mean, you see it in the Old Testament with the, the Old Testament prophets hated by people. Jesus met with opposition. The Apostle Paul, he preaches, they drag him out of the church to stone him, to throw him into prison. It reminds us that, that there's this temptation at every turn to, to not approach the word of God with humility, to not listen to it. Right, so we, we break out Luke chapter 12 where Jesus tells the rich young ruler, hey, go sell your possessions, give to the poor. And immediately we start thinking, I wonder what he really meant by that. How can I get around that one? We read God's word, it says, rejoice always. Really always? He probably didn't truly mean always. Let no unwholesome speech come out of your mouths. Really? I don't know. I don't be. Don't be anxious for anything. Love your enemies. Don't give up meeting together. Sacrificially love each other. I was going, I don't know. Maybe that's not for me. Maybe that was just in, in the context of their time, but it's not really. We, we got to remember that our goal is not to try to get around God's word. The goal is to receive it. To receive it without anger, with, without defenses, without excuses. Verse 21, it says, therefore, because you receive it with humility, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. He's saying, get rid of the sin in your life. Like, throw it out. Be, be done with it. That's showing that God's word is changing. You're receiving it with humility. He says, put away filthiness, he says. The illustration there, it's, it's this picture of taking off filthy clothes. At my house right now, man, my, my dog has really enjoyed hanging out with a skunk that seems to be around my home. So, so, so Winnie just loves this skunk, and, and, and she'll just come in and just reeking of it. And there's this one time, she, just a few nights ago, where she was wearing this bandana, and that's what took the full brunt of the skunk spray. I'm telling you, no amount of washing, no amount of soaking it in vinegar or pouring Coke on it or, or, or rubbing tomato juice in it. I mean, nothing's going to remove the smell out of that. And, 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 and for a while, maybe she just, if she just wears it, no, 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 no. Eventually we get to the point where like throw the bandana out. You know, I think we, we get to this place where we think we can hang out with sin. But I don't know if it really affects me. I, I don't know if it's really gonna, gonna impact my life. And James says, are you kidding me? Take it off. It's that gross old skunk sprayed rag. Man, throw that away. Filthiness. Just, just filthiness, it means any impurity of the heart. This is also rampant wickedness as well. That, that stuff, that's, that's deliberate. That's determined. That's I'm going after this sin. And we have to be diligent to get rid of both. James is like, don't, don't just clean out a closet or two in your heart. Like, get rid of all of it. Clean the whole house. And, and he says, put it away. Now, put it away doesn't mean how I like to clean, which just means just hide it under the bed. I'll, I'll just go throw it in the garage, and, and maybe the house will look clean then. No, no, no. No, put it away means get rid of it. How often do we not fully repent? We just, we, we, we don't fully put to death the sin in our heart, right? We, we're like, well, I, I'm just going to hold on to it a little bit. I'll stop looking at pornography for now, but I, I'm not going to put a filter on my computer. I'm not going to hold myself accountable to anybody else to be able to see where I've been. I'll, I'll forgive that person in my heart, but, but don't expect me ever to sit down beside them in church or actually talk to them. 
I'll put that, that relationship on hold that's drawing me away from Christ. I'm putting that relationship on hold that's pulling me out of my marriage, but I, I won't totally end it. Putting away, it means, it means throwing the sin out. It means not being okay with just a, a little bit of anger. Not being okay, well, it's just a little bit of greed. Not being okay, well, it's, it's just a little bit of unforgiveness, a, a little bit of apathy. It's just a, a little sin. It means do whatever you can, whatever you have to do to get rid of the sin in your life for good. And so to humbly receive the word, it starts there. I gotta take out some garbage. I've heard it said before that, that, that God's word will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from God's word. So to listen humbly and say, God, whatever you have for me, I wanna hear it, I wanna receive it. Like verse 21 goes on, it says this, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive it. Put that on. Welcome that. Absorb that. Submit yourself to that. Humble yourself and receive the word of God. Submit your life to it. Submit your heart to it. I mean, really what James is doing here, he's going right to the heart of the problem. He's saying, submit your life to the word. Submit it to the gospel. Notice he didn't say, hey, if you've got a little, bit of, a little bit of anger in your life, let me give you some techniques for how to deal with it when you start to feel it boiling up. No, no, no. And it's not that some techniques aren't helpful, but he's going right for the root here. If you're wrestling with sin, if your life is not producing the righteousness that pleases God, he says, submit your life to the word. The word that saves you. Humbly come under that. Throw your anchor there. So we put aside the sin. We take off those clothes. We, we put on, we embrace, we receive the gospel. We embrace the word. We, we embrace Christ totally. And listen, I, I'm going to expect something that, that some of you who are watching right now, you, you've never done that. I mean, you wouldn't even profess to be a Christian, and I'm so thankful that you're still connecting, still watching, still following along, still coming. But, but if you're going to take anything away from what we're talking about this morning, I hope you hear what the message of Christianity is, that left to ourselves, we can't and we don't please God. But, but, but by his grace... Because of his love for us, he's made a way for us to be in relationship with him. And man, it's such good news. It's what we call the gospel, that, that Jesus came and lived the perfect life, died a death in our place, rose again, made a way through that, that wrath-absorbing death on the cross for you to be set free so you could know God. So you could actually then live a life pleasing to God, to be this first fruit of his salvation. If you're not a Christian that's the message I'd encourage you to think about, to, to believe that, to embrace that. Now, here's the thing. For, for Christians now, for, for those of you who would call yourself a Christ follower, you have to understand that this letter actually wasn't written to non-Christians. It was written to you. Specifically, he's writing to those who think they're Christ followers. Look at verse 22. He says, don't just be listeners of the word, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Don't deceive yourself. Don't think that you are a Christ follower when maybe you're not. So, so here's what you do. How do I know the, my anchor, the anchor of my soul is deep into the word of God? First, I, I receive it humbly. Here's the second one, second point this morning. Live out the word completely. 
live out the word completely. He says, if you're not living it out, you're deceiving yourself. You claim sola scriptura. You claim, man, only scripture. That's God's word alone. That's the anchor of my soul. But he's, but you're not living it out. Sure, you come on Sunday. Sure, you watch online. But your hearts are far from the word. Why? He says, because you're not actually a doer of the word. You, you literally actually throw your anchor everywhere else. But you think you're secure, he's saying. I mean, to, to really know that you've humbly received the word is shown in putting that into action, putting your faith in it, stepping out saying, this is the word that I place my life in. So, so what's that look like? What, what's it look like in our lives? What's that look like in our church, in our families? I mean, is the anchor of your soul in the word? Is your life built on the rock or built on sand? How do I know if I'm not just a, a hearer of the word, but I've also submitted to his word? And James uses the rest of his letter here to unpack that for us. I mean, look at verse 23. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now, the illustration here is so simple, I love it. I love how simple that he makes this for us. Now, to the original readers of this letter, they didn't have mirrors like we had, all right? In fact, in fact some have said, and some commentators are writing, that the people at this time, they, they wouldn't even really have a, a totally clear view of, of how they look like you and I would. If they had a mirror at that time, even if they had one, it would be like, you ever been into those like, state or provincial parks, you go to the washroom and there's no mirrors, it's just kind of that, that polished steel uh, uh, behind the sink, right? And you kind of can see yourself in it. Yeah, that, that's the kind of mirror they would have. So, so when you looked into a mirror, there would be this, this blurry image of yourself. When you walked away, you wouldn't really remember any details. Look at verse 25. It says, but the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty, looks into God's word and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He said, the one that looks deeply at the word of truth. The word look here that he's using, that word isn't just a quick glance. It's, it's the one who looks intently, the one who stops and looks and keeps looking, searching, investigating, studying the word. That, that word look, it's the same word used in the Gospels when it talks about Mary and Peter ran to the tomb of Christ, the empty tomb. It says they looked into the tomb. Right? They, they were desperate for the truth after the resurrection, so they looked intently into the tomb. I kind of think of it this way. It's, it's, it's like my kids when we first did our very first Easter egg hunt. And I just remember the, their, their little faces. They kind of go outside and there's this, well, what's a plastic egg doing in the ground? This is so weird, right? And they pick it up, they bust it open. And it's like, chocolate's in here? Like, are we doing Halloween again? This is awesome. And then what do they do? They go nuts, right? They're ripping everything apart inside the house, outside the house, trying to find more eggs, looking everywhere. That's what this is about. It's that kind of looking into the word. It's that kind of desperation. It's that kind of yearning for the truth. I think what James is saying here is, how could you do otherwise? If, if you've just found the liberating truth of the gospel in God's word, the thing that you're so desperate for, he says, keep looking into it. Stop amidst all the busyness and, and, and the chaos of life. Stop and look here. Let, let's not be content as a people of God for just a little word from God. 
Let's not be content for just a, a short little devotional to get us by. No, no, no. Let's, let's look into the word intently. Let's study it. Let's get some commentaries. Let's, let's really read. Let, let's be students of the word. Let's look intently, prayerfully, digging deep into the word. Not, not the person who looks in a mirror and then walks away and, and couldn't even pick themselves out of a police lineup. Let's not look like those who hear a sermon on Sunday and already are discarding it that afternoon. See, because that word here used for they forget what they look like. Forget isn't just about memory. It's about, it's about throwing it away, about discarding it, about not giving any attention to it. We don't want to just do a, a careless glance into the mirror of God's word. Right? Like, like running out of the house and just do a quick look as you go. I mean, I do that a lot. And a lot of times Libby is like, are you really going to wear that shirt? Hey, have you not looked at your hair today? So often we can give a, clear, a, a, a careless glance at God's word, just this quick look into his word, the mirror that's shining at us, not studying it, not remembering it. We put the check mark, done it, did my Bible reading, and we go. We're called to be committed in this looking. We're called to remember the word constantly, to, to dig desperately, to checking it out, to, to, to be in the word of God saying, I want to read this, I want to study this, I want to memorize this. And the key what James is saying, I want to submit to it and live it out. James says here, there's a blessing in that. And this is the blessing like the person described in Psalm 1, where it says like a tree planted by streams of living water, where the roots go deep into the word of God, that it doesn't matter what's going on. Even in drought, you produce fruit. So this morning, I'd ask yourself, are you one who hears and forgets? Or you one who hears and does? Is the word really an anchor for your soul? Listen, every day we have to check that anchor. Every day, throughout the day, where am I throwing my anchor in this situation? Am I anchored in the word in this? In my marriage, is, is, is my anchor of my soul rooted in the word? In, in my parenting, in my work, in my friendships? I mean, it's this daily thing we examine. When I find myself in fear, when I find myself tempted towards sin, where's the anchor of my soul? I mean, really examine your heart. Humble yourself before the Lord. Ask him to reveal, Lord, where am I at? Let God's word rule over you. Let it set you free. So this morning, let me wrap it up by just asking a couple of questions to help us walk this out. Here's the first question I would ask this morning is this. Versus, are you a Christian? I mean, have you humbly received the gospel, this word of truth, the word of life, the truth about Christ? Are you a Christ follower? I mean, if, if not, I, I just ask you, what's keeping you from that today? What's keeping you from saying, I want to give my life to this? I want to put my hope in this truth. If you answered yes, are you a Christian? If you say, yeah, yeah, I am a Christian, let me ask you this. Second question, is it evidenced in your life? Does the way you live your life line up to what you profess? Is the word really the anchor of your soul? Are you a doer of God's word? Would those around you in your life, would they, they, would they know by the way you live out your life? Would your family go, yeah, yeah, for sure. Would, you, would people on, at work, people at school, people on your team, would they go, no, no, for sure, this person is a Christ follower. I know it by how they live out 
the word of God? Or is there, listen, is there a chance you're self-deceived about your relationship with God? I mean, what are those areas in your life where there's a disconnect in what you say you believe and how you actually live it out? Is there a relationship this morning you need to take care of? Is there a sin you need to repent of? Is there any delayed obedience in your life? You, you know God's calling you to something and, and you're, you're holding back to, to be more generous, to, to be more gracious, to be more honest, to be more forgiving, to be more engaged, to serve him on mission and you're holding back. <laughs> Do you need to dig into God's word? Is it really the anchor of your soul? Listen, wherever you are in this wherever you find yourself even answering these questions, the answer to this is look to Christ. If, if there are sinful things you need to discard this morning to take those clothes off and look to Christ, throw your anchor again deep into the gospel. Don't let this moment pass. Don't, don't rush away without examining your heart, without saying, where is the anchor of my soul today? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that that you are that high priest for us, that you are the one who went before us behind the curtain, that you went to the cross to tear that curtain in two so the anchor of our soul could be steadfast and secure. But Lord, we don't just want to talk about it. We want to build our lives on your word and your word alone. We want to be anchored in your word alone. So Spirit of God, even right now where our lives are built on sand, where we've thrown our anchor into, into just ourselves, into some other boat, into, just out into the world, I pray that even right now you would, you would help us, you, you'd reveal where that is. That we'd walk in repentance, that we'd be changed as we, as we throw that anchor, pull it up out of those places and throw it back into the gospel. I pray that you'd empower us even as we go out to see what it means to live our lives in light of the gospel, in light of our identity, in light of who you've, what you've called us to and, and the identity you've given us. That you continue to conform us to the image of your son. God, we pray this. We pray this as your sons and as your daughters. God, we don't just want to hear, we want to do. And we ask that you would, you would stir this up in us. Even